0: Welcome to episode 27 of the Golf Betting System podcast. We are discussing the 2018 at and Byron Nelson and the Belgian knockout on the European Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Previewer at Golf Betting System. And with me, we have European Tour expert Paul Williams and back from a one-week hiatus, podcast pundit Barry O'Hanrahan from a Good Talk Sport podcast. Good evening, fellas. How are we? Good
1: evening, chaps. I'm good, you? Good
0: evening, guys. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad at all. What about what about you, chaps? Did you enjoy the players? Yeah, it's
1: always a good one to watch, isn't it? You know, Webb kind of ruined it as a spectacle, I guess, by uh, being so far out out and head all through and, uh, from kind of. It's one of those
0: weird seasons when people that can't win and haven't won all of a sudden
1: winning. Yeah, but he played well. You can't deny him that, can you? He was, I know. And, he was the
2: worthy oh, winner. Surprising, surprisingly well. Yeah, even though I was crapping him all over him all week. Um, yeah, he was. Uh, he was pretty impressive. The swing is still so offensive to my <laughs> eyes. I, mean, I can't comment versus my own swing, but you know, aesthetically against other pros out there, that one is not yeah. easy to watch. But he's found
1: the patter, isn't he? And uh, you know, he's he's dangerous. he been for that. P-
2: you you wonder you wonder whether with that win now, somebody might. Um, Start reviewing the the, the anchoring <laughs> kind of rules they put in place. Yeah, you know, there's a few of them have it locked up that forearm where it's not touching beyond the elbow. Um, like to me, that's yeah, still anchoring. Very technical, so, isn't it?
1: But, uh, which is what
0: Adam Scott's gone back to as well. Mm. It's interesting. Um, some housekeeping: golfbettingsystem.co.uk. You can search golf betting or golf betting tips. You'll find us on a search engine of your choice. That's the website. Uh, Twitter handles, at Bamford Golf, at Golf Betting for Paul, and a Good Talk Golf for Barry. Podcast excuse me, podcasts available on Podbean, iTunes, TuneIn for Android, Player FM, and Podtail. Um, as ever, if you would like to like, follow us, and subscribe, plus leave us your customer reviews and ratings on iTunes, we would be most appreciative. Very good listener numbers again last week for the players. Uh, I think in total now, we're well over the 25,000 download mark uh, all time on the podcast. It's it's impressive, uh, isn't it? Yeah, it's good, isn't it? It's very, very good, and uh, we appreciate all the listeners, so uh, regulars, stick with us. Two events this week, and I have to say,
1: uh,
0: after the kind of... uh, My comment on the players, by the way. This is my comment on the players before we move on. I thought the tournament organisers made a great big fuck up of it. Has to be said. I think if you're looking at a major championship, they made that course far too soft and far too easy when they all knew that the wind wasn't going to blow. Mm. And I just, I just, I just found it very, very strange.
1: Yeah, the winning score was a bit lower than uh, you'd anticipated as well, wasn't it? But um...
0: the average was seventy-one point five. Across the field, mm. which was the lowest since 2010, and you know you got guys firing in 63s yeah. when they set off at seven o'clock in the morning and bounding up sort of 83 spots in the leaderboard. Yeah. It was all very strange. I thought, yeah, yeah. But yes, can't can't take away anything from Webb because at the end of the day, we all know that he's been putting brilliantly. I've been harking on about that, and he uh, was one of those that once the uh, once my tips went out and we'd done the podcast and you start seeing other people tipping him, you just start putting your head in your hands, going, how the hell did I not tip him mm. this week? And Steve Palmer of the Racing Post, he's well worth a mention, isn't he? My God, he had a double, didn't he, across both the European Tour and PGA Tour. Yeah,
1: he picked up both. He's, he's on top of his game, Steve, isn't he? Absolute top of his game. So. He
0: mentioned on the podcast, didn't he, Paul, he'd, he'd stake four grand on the players. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, is in a slightly different league to to most. But uh, when you when you're plucking out uh, two winners fifty and eighty to one, then um, you know you deserve to be applauded. So, yeah. Two so, things. One, Barry, did you? I know you're quite forthright
0: in your views. Did you did you think that that was the fifth major championship that we watched this weekend? Did it feel like a major to
2: you? No, I was so surprised that they didn't um, speed it up yeah i mean usually they let them have a go thursday friday and then saturday they make it a little bit trickier but they give them a few pins to have a go at to you know yeah. to, to get into the whole moving day thing and if you play well you shoot a good score you might have a mid 60s and you'll definitely move up the leaderboard because most of the guys are going to be shooting an average of 71 or 72 yeah. you know so and then on sunday you know you have a proper test uh, you know um, I thought they just let it get faster and faster. And, um, Simpson was—he well, was, he was
0: seventeen under going into the seventeenth, wasn't he on Friday? Seventeen mm. under. Now I know he was ten yeah. points, uh, ten shots. Uh, sorry, the, I think the next was at ten under at that point. Yeah. So he was—you know—he's playing golf from the from the outer hemisphere, and he? he was just amazing. But he, I think if if you're going to make a course soft. The green soft. And you read all the player comments. They said, "Well, when we turned up on Monday, it was firm and fast. It was a real test. Mm. And we turned up Thursday, and all of a sudden, the greens were kind of... They've had the hoses out here. They've had the fire brigade out here. And we're like, whoa. So uh, Thursday and Friday, you are thinking, well, you've got to make it level, haven't you? AM, PM split. That's just fine. But Saturday, just ramp it up. Ramp up that sub-air. And as you said, if if you've played well in that and you're in contention... You deserve it, don't you? But that never happened. No, no, it just didn't happen at all. They just didn't seem to want to speed the golf course up, which I thought was very, very strange.
1: No, I mean they've it's, got it no. wrong in the past, haven't they? Where they've overcooked it. But, uh, but yeah, as you said, it, it, that wasn't that wasn't major championship difficulty by any stretch of the imagination. So.
0: Now, if you compare that to see si Kim and the course twelve months ago, it was like chalk and cheese. Mm-hmm. Second, second yeah, thing yeah. I've got to say, gentlemen, is congratulations to Paul. Some cracking tipping last week on uh, Biergaard and of course on Lucas Herber.
1: Yeah, nearly got there, um, didn't we? Nearly got one over the line. Yeah,
0: but it's very, very difficult to get two. Your selections in the each way points at sixty to one and one hundred uh, was it 150, yeah, one, one? Yeah, Yeah, one fifty. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, that's a phenomenal effort.
0: So well done. Yeah. I had a, I had a good chunk of Biergaard, which I managed to cash out on Betfair. Saturday morning so I did have my doubts so that was a nice result and then I had uh, a nice each way chunk on bet 365 with him as well so that was very very good
1: he had his chances as well didn't he you know if you look at the raw stats he's he was second for putting on the week but if you watched any of it and some of the some of the chances that he passed up wow you know he could have uh, he could have walked away with that quite easily but um, you know, there's the finest of margins, aren't they? Even coming down the last, you know, a birdie of the last takes him into a playoff. Um, you know, makes the bogey. It, uh, it just doesn't happen. But uh, you know, on the flip side, uh, as you said, Lucas Herbert flew through the field on the um, on the final day, and uh, you know that that was kind of a, a bonus, really, because. From his position going into the final day, given there was some scoring out there, you wouldn't really have expected him to make the places. But uh, you know, to shoot eight under on the final day, um, yeah, that's pleasing. So, bit of a moment, but bit of momentum going into uh, into this week as well. And um, before we move on, can I just say congratulations to Stuart Goodson, who was our um, Sawgrass seventeenth hole competition winner. Um, and Stuart correctly predicted there'd be 54 balls in the water over the course of the four days at Sawgrass. Um, and he was the closest... We've got three people who went for 54, and he was the closest to the cumulative two-par tiebreaker as well. He went for plus 60, and it actually played plus 74 um, over the course of the four days. It's funny because the first two days, it was particularly difficult. Um, in fact, it was the toughest hole on the course on the, uh, on the first day. And then over the weekend, the balls in the water just dried up completely. There was six on Saturday and just three uh, yesterday on Sunday. So, uh, so yeah, 54 was the total. But, yeah, congrats to Stuart. And uh, we've contacted him, um, and he'll be getting his £100 free bet prize very shortly. What happened to Tiger? Was that, was that a mental thing, do you think, on the 17th? I don't know.
2: Uh, he's already gone, he's not winning the tournament at that stage So I think the wind actually did shift a bit The ball looked like it got knocked a bit out of the air and Look, even if the wind didn't shift and you hit a poor shot He's going to blame the wind Because why would you let that get in your head about one shot And it didn't really matter in the in the grand scheme of the tournament like, He wasn't going to catch Simpson uh, He missed a couple of opportunities on what, 14 and 16 as well he bought sorry, bogeyed fourteen when he had a sand wedge in hand. He spun it off the front of the green. So that was when he needed to drop a birdie in and, you know, finish it. If he posted maybe seventeen, probably eighteen under par, he puts yeah. pressure on. But um listen, his his driving yesterday was really good. You know, but that Saturday and Sunday from Tiger, there's I think every time we see him come out, there's we're seeing more and more of a complete game yeah. from him and it's really bloody exciting, yeah, as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, the U.S. Open's only four weeks away. Mm. C- could he get his game in shape? It's improving,
1: Barry, as you say. It's, it's you know, it's not as if he's peaked and uh, he's plateaued. He's still going forward. So, um, so yeah, it's exciting time, doesn't it? You know, you've got this tussle for the world number one position, which uh, which JT's taken over for the time being. You know, it's still incredibly tight at the top there, but. Uh, you know, you've got this uh, this scenario where Tiger's clearly competitive again now as well, and uh, yeah, it's going to be exciting, uh, exciting US Open and, uh, and and through to the Open Championship as well. There's uh, there's a lot to look forward to. He seems to have tightened
0: up his driving, doesn't mm. he? That was a lot better, um, mm. and he and he said that he, it felt a lot better uh, this week. Uh, you just get the feeling with him; he, he's starting to click, isn't he? Definitely that driving accuracy. Um, he's a sparky putter again. He, you know, he's he's walking putts in when he when he's really really um, feeling it. Mm. Um, and the thing is with him as well, if there's a tournament that was going to suit him, it was probably the players because a lot of that golf course doesn't need driver. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a driver. Yeah, it's more of a soft golf courses, course, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, strategic. Um, you know, what do you think Shinnecock Hills is going to be? Mm.
2: It's gonna be a It's gonna be a
0: strategic links challenge, isn't
2: yeah. it? Yeah, the way he was hitting that driving iron around the week, he was like putting very big shapes on it. He was putting you know tiny baby draws on it as well. I mean that that um that pro tracer of him on eighteen <laughs> was it on Saturday? I think I'd say I watched that about fifty times in a row. It was absolutely. S- just so beautiful yeah, and, and, to and watch. confidently shaping it <laughs>
1: as well, wasn't he? You know, it was, it, yeah. it, there was no concern there. It was just, uh, you know, this is the Chopin in the next. Yeah, game, it's.
0: Yeah. I think the one the yeah. one weakness with him has been, and this is why a lot of people have been um, a lot of knowledgeable DraftKings players haven't been picking Woods. I mean, he was in my team for the first time this year. Is that he hasn't been getting enough birdies for, from a DraftKings perspective? Mm. But you know, something like the U.S. Open, that's pretty much immaterial. All you're looking for, and you know, this is proven, isn't it? Is a very really you need a long hitter who's got patience and who's got a fantastic scrambling game. Yeah, Yeah. who can who can you know birdie key holes and and minimise bogeys. And that at the moment shouts shouts to me, you know, someone of the ilk of Tiger Woods.
2: Mm. The the one thing just first from a visual point of view. I don't have any stats to back it up, but it seems to me like his wedges. Um, you know, from say his full wedge distances out, he still hasn't got them properly dialed in. Distance wise, you know, he's he'll come up a little bit short. He'll go a little bit long. You know, he's. That, that, but that's something you can you know he'll work on and he'll get it more and more fine tuned. Fine oh, um, uh, Yeah, I think so. It's, it's it's so close and. He could be timing the most amazing run ever in in this return to uh, to to peak mm. at Shinnecock. Yeah, it's interesting looking
1: at the odds actually because there's still a bit of twenty two to one about him to win uh, the U.S. Open, but uh, some bookies are taking him all the way down to ten to one. Like, that's a mad difference.
0: The only tournament he'll be playing if he plays his traditional. T- I think the reason. By the way, chaps, I think the reason we're talking about this is because the two events this week. They're, they're all like Bel- the the Belgian uh, waffle tournament and my uh, Byron Nelson tournament. We don't really know what we're doing, chaps. So um, we're, we're just waffling on about Tiger instead. But um, Woods was twenty fifth for proximity to hole uh, after fifty four holes yesterday. But that round on Saturday, when he absolutely you know spanked it from an early tee time, he was as good as eleventh. Uh, 11th in proximity to the Hull I think if he if he goes down the traditional Tiger route he won't you won't see him you'll only see him at the Memorial won't you yep and then he'll be straight on to Shinnecock so yeah it's an interesting that you know 22 to 1 sounds like a half decent price on a, on Tiger Woods doesn't it well
1: yeah and given there's a, a lot of disparity there as well it's um
2: well, put it this way, quick comparison. Jimmy Walker this week, 22 to 1 in, in a good few places, or Tiger Woods for a US Open. Which, which Who would you rather yeah. be on? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think the only thing to say is as we get closer to the US Open, we're likely to see a lot more places um, for, for each way backers. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, if you see a, another spark of form, that 22 will be long gone. It will be down to 12s and 14s across the piece.
0: Uh, interestingly enough, of course, Shinikok is Poa, Poana, mm-hmm. the greens. So that plays to Summer Tiger's strengths,
2: doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's not. I suppose that and just the the bank of major experience he has with him. You know, he's going to be able to combine that with his increasingly uh, improving form in all in all aspects of his game and and maybe marry them up into, a, into a, a 15th major. Can you imagine how exciting that would be Like if he's just there come Sunday like one, in the lead or even just one shot I, off the lead?
1: I, I don't, I, right now, I don't see any reason to suggest that he won't be in the mix in some shape or form.
2: Mm. As you
1: say, it's, um, it's, it's boding well for an exciting, exciting tournament. Do you want to talk about um, the Belgian knockout, Paul? Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is the inaugural Belgian knockout um, event. So it's the first time we've been back to Belgium since the year 2000 on the European Tour. So it's been quite a a gap since the last Belgian event. That was the Belgian Open. This is different, um, and it's a different format. You know, the European Tour keep um, trialling and testing these new format events um, with the World Super 6. We've got the... um, We've got the shot clock uh, masters or, or something similar to that it's called in a few weeks time as well and uh, and this is slightly different again and um, the belgian knockout is 36 holes of stroke play and um, over thursday friday um, and a 64 man cut um on friday night now with 64 players, um, they then go into a match play scenario similar to how you'd expect uh, the the old um, world match play to have, uh, to have set up. So 64 goes down to 32, 16, 8, 4, 2, one um, It does work slightly differently though. Um, so what's happening is the 64 men on, on Saturday morning will be split into two lots of 32. So 32 of them will play the front nine in one to one um, head on, head on um, matches and uh, the other 32 will play on the other side of the course in their, in their matches. So you'll have um, a round to cut it down to 32, another round to cut it down to 16. These are nine hole matches, by the way. Um, and by the end of Saturday night, we'll be down to eight players. So potentially players can have played another 27 holes if it goes to a playoff, they can play more than 27 holes on, on Saturday. Um, and then they'll go into Sunday and the eight that are left will do it all again. So they'll have another nine holes um, to get through to the semi-finals. then um, another nine to get through to the final. And then, of course, the final is again over nine holes. So potentially um, you could have had to have played 54 holes plus over Saturday, Sunday to be uh standing a chance of winning the tournament but i guess what this does is it creates two kind of mini tournaments because you've got a 36 hole event to get through to the weekend and some bookies are playing um with a 36 hole um stroke play market Um, and then wherever you land after the um after the stroke play element will then determine who you play in the second uh, phase of it and but of course someone who Qualifies in sixty fourth place can win um, equally as someone who finishes in first place after the straight play element. So um, it's going to be fascinating from a betting perspective because it's created an interesting market from the outset where um, the field is 30, 30 to one. Um, the field, so you you know, very very well. You just don't see that kind of starting point for uh, for any event nowadays. Um, so you know. Joost Louton sitting here right now, um, a 30 to 1 favourite, alongside Thomas Peters, who's the host for the week. And then you're going into 34s, 40s, and 50s. So, um, you know, you, you're not looking at this normal scenario where you've got someone who's 8 to 1, 10 to 1, even shorter potentially, as the favourite for the event. Um, it's also created an interest, interesting dynamic with the betting um, in terms of each way places because generally with these um, match play events, um, you'll get paid out each way for getting a player through to the uh, semi-finals so four places typically a quarter of the odds and um, paddy power put a market up which is to get through to the uh, quarter finals effectively so they're playing eight paying eight places each way at a fifth of the odds so you'll get an each way payout if your player makes it through to sunday morning effectively and of course you've got slightly different odds there and you've got a fifth of the odds rather than a quarter of the odds so there's different ways to play this and of course if you don't want to play the match play element you can uh, you can just play the 36 hole market instead and uh, wherever your player gets to by the end of friday night that's where you will um that's where your bet will be settled so lots of different ways to play this um it is well, information's very patchy about this i know we kind of bang on about it with the European Tour, but this one is particularly bad in that there's um, no course information whatsoever. Looking at the uh, website right now, the course is described as zero yards, so that's not really helping us um, in any shape or form. <laughs> um <Lovely>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, it's, it's a short track, but uh, that's taking things to, 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 to the next level. Um, it's the north course they're playing at Ringfern, Um Golf Club in Belgium. It's a It's a Parkland track opened in 85. Um, Martin Hawtrey had a look at the, uh, the, the the routing there and has made some updates recently. So the last time and the only time they've played this in any of any consequence was at the twenty ten uh, champion uh, Challenge Tour event, um, which was won by uh, Lee Slattery, uh, and that was played then as a six thousand six hundred yard uh, par seventy two. So particularly short track. Now it has been renovated since we haven't got any information as to exactly what's been done. It, the The idea with the renovation was to bring it up to European Tour standards. So you'd imagine a six thousand six hundred yard track has been extended in some shape or form to make it a bit more of a challenge for the uh, for the professionals out there right now. But clearly they're going to be relatively limited as to what they can do given the dimensions of the um, the layout there. There's, there's two tracks, so they've kind of uh, incorporated one into another and made some longer holes and. Uh, rerouted it in that uh, respect but that's exactly what we're going to see um, sitting here now on Monday tea time, I can't tell you exactly what yardage you're going to be playing, whether it's going to be a past 70, 71, 72 how it's going to be configured so um, we are going to have to uh, take a leap of faith with that to, to a certain degree um, what else do we know well, this kind of format event, well I know some people will try and Look at it. Look at it as a, a non-event from a betting perspective because of the vagaries that are around the, the event. Would you go out and make a a case for a player over a thirty-six-hole stroke play event? Not particularly. I know when when events get cut down to thirty-six holes, then, then punters are up in arms because you know it takes uh, it, it throws a lot more into the um, a lot more variables into the uh, into the final outcome. Uh, match play itself, sixty four down to down to 2. You know, I are, are you really going to get yourself into a position where you can make um, some serious judgments about who's going to play well on these types of events? And um, you know, it's described as a lottery a lot of these the, these match play events. And I've got, got to be honest, you know. To a last degree, I agree with that. We've got the Super 6, which played in Perth for last year and the year before. Whilst watching it, it's actually a, a good spectator uh, event to, to, to watch. Um, betting on it can be um, particularly tricky. So, yeah, it's um, it's not one for me to get massively involved in. I'm back. Oh, we lost Steve there for a second. It's not, not one for me to get massively <coughs> involved with from a... Um, uh, from a Hello. Yeah, got you, yeah, Steve, I yeah. Back, um, yeah, it's not one for me to get massively involved with from, from a uh, from a betting perspective, but I have got three um, three players that I'm interested in. The, uh, the first of which, if you look at the, towards the top of the market, um, Adrian Atagi, who's been playing some lovely consistent golf over the last um, last few weeks and months, actually. Now, if you look at his last five events coming into this. Twelfth, uh, tenth, twelfth, nineteenth, second on his last start, and he's uh, he's got the kind of all-round game that I think you can um, side with with the, this kind of event. Um, decent accuracy, decent queens and regulation, scrambling well on his last start. Um, also, he won the Paul Laurie Match Play back in 2017, so he's got a bit of uh, previous with this kind of um, match play type scenario um, and bear in mind the super six that we had earlier in the season um kira kaffir won that and again he'd previously won the paul lorry match place so yeah that's um yeah I, th- I think of the guys at the top end of the market i take is the one that i would uh, be most comfortable with and i'm, I'm back to taking early on today um Further down the list, uh, Lucas Herbert, who I was on last week. I was incredibly surprised to see him come up 80-1 to earlier on um, with uh, Brooks, which I've taken. Um, he was third in the Super 6, um, third last week, as we said, with a 66-63 over the weekend. Um, one of those kinds of players that can get right into the... Uh, Groove when he's on form and and churn out result after result after result. So, we've seen a stretch over in 2016 where he was um, producing a lot of uh, top 10 type finishes, finished second, eighth, 20th, 49th, 6th, and 9th over a six event stretch. And then um, over the turn of this year as well, we saw a similar kind of um, stretch of form as well, second, 6th, 7th, 56th, 8th, and 3rd before he kind of dropped away um, and missed three cuts on the trot. But then we've seen last week, he's found his form, he's found his game, he's found his long game again. And uh, you know I see no reason to think that he can't start to uh, to push on once again from there. Um, and the final one I'm going to go with, um, and again, the final one i have back today, is Brett Rumford, who's a previous Super 6 winner. Um, he was fifth at the Spanish Open. He's missed a couple of cuts since then. But... Um, you know it's the kind of player that can find uh, his form, um, and if that putter starts working, then uh, well, you know, I think 125 to 1 that's out there at the moment is, um, is a strong old price. So, do you want
0: to recap those players quickly, Bob?
1: Yeah, so the three that I've gone for um, Adrian at 40 to 1, uh, Lucas at 80 to 1, and Brett Rumford at one hundred and twenty-five to one of the three that I've backed today. I the the preview won't be out until round about mid morning tomorrow, so I'll uh, I'll sleep on it to see if there's any more. But I really don't want to go too mad on this. Um, no. and so they're likely to be the final three that I uh, I stick with unless I have some kind of revelation overnight tonight.
2: Just a tactical question in terms of betting. Do you think there's any value in? Um, looking at se- separating this event into a kind of a two bet situation where you look at the, the first 36 holes and on the basis of you know based up on players first round um scoring average because if somebody scores really well in the first round the chances of them are you know going to try hang on again in the next round just to get to the top 64. there's a chance they might hang around and and get that first you know get that top 36 place i guess and then then restart again when it gets to the top 64 in a match play and have a look at maybe grabbing a couple of match play specialists. Yeah, I specialists. think this
1: one is pretty much whatever you feel most comfortable with as to how you play it. Because you could be completely disappointed if you went outright in a player and they were the 36-hole leader and got knocked out the first round of the match play. Um, equally, you mm. can back a player who scrapes through the match play um, and then they go on to win the uh, the. the, the the overall, overall event I mean, uh, if you look back to Affy Bionrat at the Super 6 that's exactly how he got through he scraped through an, in a playoff for the final um, positions to make it through to the uh, the match play element and in fact he, he rode his luck a number of times um, he could have been knocked out on a, on a few occasions over the course of those uh, match play um, matches but um, you know he's, he's got the match play experience he'd won the Paul lorry um, back in 2016 I think it was and uh, i think ultimately that little bit of experience in that format and that little bit of guile and um, the ability ability to kind of just look past those situations where you kind of got you can got can have had been knocked out and uh, and, and just bounce back and uh, you know put, put the other player to the sword uh, you know it's an interesting skill and attribute to be able to have but yeah as to how you play it um you could split your stake and go 36 holes um, for half of it and 36 uh, and half on the outright market just to kind of avoid um you know disappointment if one or other of the bets would have came would have come in what i wouldn't suggest is doubling up because this really isn't the event to be throwing twice as much money at um, from a betting perspective in my view um
2: yeah, it feels like only the lucky few might do well out of this from yeah. a gambling perspective and there'd be a lot of heartache and yeah, pain otherwise. So.
1: But yeah, so I am you know, I'm gonna try and keep it relatively simple. And again you've got the choice as to whether you play with the four places each way um, for the top four and take a take a better price or whether you go for the eight eight each way at a fifth of the odds and, and go for a A lesser price potentially. There's a lot of disparity between the prices and the bookmakers as well. So clearly, um, they really don't know how to to pitch this one either. So, yeah, there's lots of different ways to play it, I think, this week. Anything you. What you
0: what, What do you think to these European tour, you know, the way that they're mixing these tournaments up? Is it something that you welcome? I mean, clearly, from a betting perspective, it makes it awkward but best. Yeah, and no,
1: from a betting perspective I don't like it. No. I I think being completely selfish, I want the same events being played on the same track year after year after year in the same conditions so that I can uh, I, I can have a better <laughs> view as to what's going to happen and, and clearly that doesn't happen. Um they're trying to mix the schedule up, I understand that. The frustration, I think, with the European Tour is that we've had this scenario for a few years, or a couple of years now, where from the start of, or well, the end of March, through to kind of Wentworth, um, the schedule is so patchy that some players yeah. are, are playing you know, one or two events, and probably ones they don't really want to be playing, um, just so they're playing some kind of golf. I mean, so I'm sure that some of these guys at the top of the market here wouldn't be playing this event had they had a stretch of two or three or four events but they they haven't had it they simply haven't had it so it's they're being forced to play these um low purse different format quirky events new tracks new places and uh, some, some of them will some of them will embrace it i'm sure but um for me, no. From a betting perspective, and being let's say, being purely selfish, it needs to be a bit more consistent than it is. It, compared to the PGA Tour, and I know you've got a new new track this week to contend with, Steve. But in general, it's you know it's, it's chalk and cheese in terms of the uh, consistency between the two events or to the two tours rather. mm Yeah.
0: We've got Wentworth next week. Is that yeah, great? that's
1: right. Yeah, yeah. So looking forward to that. Ho- hopefully, get this down. is
0: it. You could have a scenario of a lot of these European tour players and, and players of a decent standard, where literally they they could have had one or two appearances over a course of two or three months before they arrive at Wentworth. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh,
0: if they if they weren't playing these quirky events and travelling around the world, having to no
1: kind I, of we, we'll see how. Much that has a bearing on the um, on the outcome next week. I mean, one player that I've kind of got um, in my mind for next week is Andy Sullivan, whose game's really starting to come together, and he's one of the ones yeah. who's spent more time travelling around to some of these more far flung places and playing these smaller events to get his form into a shape and you know, into a position where he can contend and. If that ends up paying dividends for him personally, because he has a good week at Wentworth next week, then you know he's fully justified in having done that. And um, some of these other guys literally haven't played, or they've played an odd one here and there. And some of them will play this week. And how how will that affect them if they if, if they get through to the weekend, and get through to the final? I mean, there's potentially a lot of golf to be played for the guys who get all the way through to the uh, to the end of Sunday. So, um, yeah. Not for me. Do we know which big names are turning up next week for Wentworth? Has that been announced? Um, I've not looked through the entire list yet, but uh, but no, it's, um, Well, I expect it will chop and change over the next uh, next few days anyway. But um, yeah, you'd imagine it being a Rolex event now. They're going to start to you know, and it being a Ryder Cup year as well. That some of the guys who have aspirations of making the team and some of the guys who have aspirations of um, doing well in the Rolex Series full stop will start to attend these events. Um, and we've got a few over the next few months as well a few of these rolex events so yeah hopefully it'll be decent attendance next week
2: does wentworth next week have more money uh, in prize money than um oh what's the pga tour next week steve uh
1: it's colonial Colonial, which i believe is seven million dollars yeah, the um, the, this this is seven million as well. They've standardised all of the um, the Rolex events to seven million dollars as a mm. purse. So yeah, it's comparable. So you know, there's no there's no reason for someone financially to choose um, the Colonial event over over Wentworth if they've got the option to play. Particularly if they're a European, they should be they should be coming this side of the Atlantic, shouldn't they? And uh, and playing over here. McElroy's playing. I'm just having a quick look at the um, the list. we have got McIlroy, Fleetwood, Casey, Norren, Hatton, Cabrera, Bello, Poulter, Francesco, Molinari, Barmrat, Grace Fitzpatrick, Fisher, Halong Lee, Levy, Fratelli, and Peters from the top fifty five in the world. So, so you, d- you didn't say Rose. No, he's not listed down there, right? Now. You didn't say. You
0: didn't say I don't think he's played there for a while, though, has he said
1: something? No, he did used to have an issue with the track, didn't he, in terms of his... Um dislike for it but uh, as, soon as, as soon as they've made some uh, <laughs> <laughs> quite vocal as well
0: and then you'd, you'd often get the, the good South Africans co- coming over wouldn't you Oosthausen Schwarz or Brandon Grace was was there last year but I've noticed he's playing this week over in Texas so yeah he's, he's, is he's, he's, li- he's getting... listed
1: so he's coming over yeah no, that's good yeah. that's good but yeah some of these other guys you, you know live... you want some depth at Wentworth don't you you yeah. know it's meant to be the marquee of Ed yeah Benny Ann's playing um, Shane Lowry's coming over to play it's Sounds half decent.
0: Yeah, you it sounds a little bit stronger than previous years that we've become accustomed to.
1: Yeah, yeah. I suppose yeah. Justin Kills
0: Rose isn't playing because he's he's then coming across for the British Masters later in in the autumn. Um, I suppose that's his justification. But yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Rose has been a real supporter, hasn't he? To be fair to him, he has played the Wentworth for the moat for pretty much all the years I can remember.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, we've seen them a few times down there when we've gone down and watched, haven't we? So, but yes, it, those you know the, the, those kind of top tier names that you mentioned, the Stensons and the Roses, no, they're they're not there. So, so Rory will be a, the headline act by a long stretch next week.
2: Just it, it when you say marquee event for the European tour it seems so anathema to it being the marquee event that it's the first one in the series
1: yeah and I think they've tried to kind of downgrade it in that respect haven't they Cause once upon a time it was the European tours marquee um flagship event but uh, with the Rolex series now and the the uh, the purse is all being standardized across all of them um and as you say it's the first of the bunch as well
2: um, yeah I honestly for me the the ones that stand out the most and and make the most impact in, in terms of where they are in the season are the you know the Open de France, the Irish Open, and the, uh, yeah. the Scottish Open. Well, the the big the big lead into the Open Championship. They're right. They're sandwiched in between the U.S. Open and the Open Championship, and they've got a lot of big names coming over. Especially the Open to you know to de France this year is really interesting to see how many yeah. Americans come over. Yeah.
1: absolutely. They 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 should all be coming over to get a, a feel of what the track's like, shouldn't they? without any shadow yeah,
2: of Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, one of the Irish Open or the Scottish Open is going to suffer as a result, you know, of in terms of fields. Yeah, they're in three consecutive um, weeks, yeah.
1: which, um, you know, g- given that Rory tends to um, attract a lot of people over for the Irish Open as well, which is literally the week after, um, it could well be the Scottish Open that's, uh, that that suffers, but, but then people will want to, uh, yeah. have, you know, some players will want to have that week before warm-up on the um, b- before the Open Championships. So,
2: there, there, could be some quite weak PGA Tour events um, in the weeks leading up to the Open Championship on the basis of those three tournaments. Yeah, without a doubt,
1: without a doubt, and we've got the Italian Open directly after the the, the BMW PGA as well. So again, yeah,
0: I think we've discussed this before, before because don't you know the PGA Tour, you know, is supposedly the be all and end all, but there are periods, especially that period that you've just stated, Barry, where actually the European Tour last year was stronger than a lot of the PGA Tour events. Mm. You know, your Greenbrier Classics, your John Deere Classics. uh, They don't exactly get the pulse racing where, as you said, Scottish Open, Irish Open. uh, You've now got a very strong Italian Open. You know, some bet there's some really strong events now over here in the summer that probably Mm -hmm. have stronger fields than those corresponding PGA Tour events.
2: For me as a golf fan, they are so much more interesting to watch as well. Now that we have this... Really defined links swing in the middle of the, the golfing season leading up to the Open Championship. That's just it's a wonderful thing to have and a, a nice difference from this target golf that we're exposed to for the vast majority of the year. To see this, the you know the links style of golf that as amateur players we we enjoy playing so much, um, and are exposed to quite a lot in the Brit in uh, in the UK and Ireland. To see the pros playing on those golf courses more and leading them into the Open Championship is. It's a wonderful thing. I love that mm. time of year. Yeah,
1: no, it's good. Yeah, it's, it's always a decent stretch of golf, isn't
0: it? Now, you talk about target golf, Barry. It's a very good lead-in to the AT&T, AT&T Byron Nelson. The, the tournament organisers have they've, they've gone down a different route this year, and this is going to be ongoing. They've taken the tournament away from TPC Las Colinas, or Four Seasons, which was in a very wealthy part of Dallas, um, a very high end uh, resort, hotel, whatever, um, and a pretty standard American golf course. And they've gone and moved it to a new facility, the Trinity forest golf club, which is in Southwest Dallas. It's a, it's away. Um, it's completely opposite side of the, of the city. Um, they're still throwing $7.7 million at it. Now, to put that into context, uh, the Valero Texas Open a few weeks ago was 6.2. Uh, uh, the RBC Heritage was $6.7 million. Uh, The Houston Open was $7 million. So of those tournaments, you're looking at the biggest prize fund. Uh, the Fort Worth International or Invitational next week which is an invitational status PGA Tour event So a three year um, Exemption to the winner So one of those events That's slightly above the norm That's only got £7.1 million per So at and have stepped up to the plate And they've moved to this Trinity Forest Golf Club Now um, it's The new golf club has been set Has been built on an old um, Refuse site effectively um, And they brought in um, two very well-known designers in the form of Bill Cor and Ben Crenshaw, who's, who we know work as a partnership, to build this golf course from scratch. So an exciting prospect, Yet, yeah. If you actually look at the property itself visually and you, you do your searches on the internet, you see that it's a treeless, completely treeless property. No trees on the, on the site whatsoever. The actual site is surrounded by a forest, hence the name, and, you know, read around, it's supposedly one of the biggest forests uh, in, in North America. So there's a big chunk of forest around it. But the actual course itself uh, has no tree on the property whatsoever. And Court and Crenshaw basically told, right, we want you guys to build us a major championship venue so that we can attract major championships, i.e. the US Open or the PGA Championship, back to Dallas, back to Texas. That was their brief. So they used the contours of the land that they found and quite quickly got their heads around the fact that it would suit a Lynx-type golf course because there's various bits of topography on the site. There's lots of undulations, no major hills, but you know they could, they could use the contours of the site that they found and it would suit a Lynx-type golf course. So um, it's been built and because it's in Texas though, um, it's a kind of what's classified as an American Lynx style golf course because of course you can't use bent grass at this or they didn't want to use bent grass on the greens and um, they couldn't use fescue grass. You know your typical grasses that you would use uh, on a, on a uh, Lynx type setup. So, um, Cor and Crenshaw, the the course that shouts at you, um, that they did um, renovate, of course, was Pinehurst number two, which was the host of the 2014 US Open, that Kymer won, if you remember. Yeah. And if you actually look at the course, of course, Pinehurst, Carolina golf course, surrounded by trees. But if you actually look at the fairways, the wispy grass, the shapes of the bunkering, The way that the bunkers encroach on the fairway, some are actually positioned in the middle of the fairways. The way that the greens, a lot of the greens actually either um, accept golf shots or they actually reject them. So you've got a lot of Ross type designs that feed shots off the green. It does visually look a little like Pinehurst number two. Um, Other courses to me that it looked like, I don't know if you guys have had a chance to look at it at all. It looks similar to Shinnecock Kills, which we know is a genuine Lynx course that they're holding the US Open at in a few weeks' time. Um, It reminded me a little bit of Chambers Bay, which was the 2015 US Open site. Um, It also reminded me very much of the courses that you see out in Australia, Uh, the, the sand belt kind of courses. And... There was a little bit in there as well that reminded me of Fancourt where they played uh, the the Volvo Golf Champions a few years ago that Brandon Grace won. Yeah. I mean, that's quite a gnarly, nasty-looking golf course. And if you actually look at this, some of the holes, I mean, it's one of the holes... Um, or There's a 30,000-square-foot shared green on this golf course uh, between, I think, holes 4 and 11.
2: Uh, Does that... Does that not remind you of St Andrews absolutely. and their massive greens? Yeah, absolutely.
0: I can see a St Andrews connection. Um, the only thing with St Andrews is it's pan flat, isn't it, to a certain extent? The other thing that does kind of feel St Andrews is when you read through the detail about this golf course, is there is no rough. Yeah. Um, so what you tend to get is, you know, there's no traditional rough that we expect, but what you've got is. Fairways that can be as wide as a hundred yards right so plenty of width off the tip yep that is wide that's very very wide um, and surrounding fairways you have what they what they term as these native areas so effectively um, you if you if you go off the, these huge fairways you're into this wispy buffalo grass mm. that's also got flowers in their natural flowers and stuff like that. Yep. That, again, has that Pioneers number 2 feel to it, if you remember. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of wispy grass on the golf course. So um, it shouts to me that pretty much accuracy off the tee, unless you're really madly inaccurate, isn't going to be an issue because these fairways are kind of like landing strips at Heathrow. I think Chambers Bay was similar to that Erin Hills last year at the US Open that was very wide wasn't yeah, it. There's a, there's a few that
1: have been that kind of set up haven't they where um, they are silly wide but if you if you do go um, you know too wonky then you are in some serious trouble aren't you.
0: But what is clear about this track is it's absolutely intimidated the PGA tour professionals and if you read stuff you know Jeff Ogilvy's been here he's done quite a lot of work at the golf course Uh, with flyovers and the like basically saying that this is a PGA tour uh, course that is like no other um, and it will scare a lot of the PGA tour target golfers and if you look at the field bearing in mind as I said at the top of this they've thrown 7.7 million dollars at the purse you know it's not a small amount for a PGA tour event you know I'm comparing it to the Travellers is seven million John Deere Classic 5.8 Greenbrier Classic 7.3 now they've thrown a lot of money at this. Um, RBC Canadian Open 6.2. The field is terrible. Mm. So you go beneath the top of the field. Of course, Jordan Speed's playing. He's a course member. He held um, a junior tournament here, last asked you. He plays lots of practice rounds here. Um, he's your 5-1 favourite. 11-2 at Bet365. A, a lot of the bookies aren't up on this, which tells you another thing. They're not rushing to price this event up. You've got the likes of Kuchar Garcia, Hideki Matsuama. I think Matsuama's only playing it because he's playing so badly. Jimmy Walker, as Barry said earlier, Billy Horshaw, Adam Scott Brand, and Grace Mark Leishman. And then we're down to the likes of, at 40 to 1, mind you, Bo Hosler, Aaron Wise, Charles Howell IV. There's no depth to this field whatsoever. And. Uh, I just checked with Rob Bolton a few minutes ago and there were another four players or six players that have actually WD'd from the field. Now, Jason Day was down to play this. He he didn't even appear on uh, Friday, uh, Saturday morning. A lot of players have decided to give this a mix. Bryce Garnett's now gone, Chesson Hadley, Wee Kim, Trey Mullinax, Shay Reavy, Steve Stricker. He's decided to play the region's event on the Champions Tour. A lot of players are giving this a, a wide berth because I don't. They've, they've clearly heard about the golf course and I think the professional, the PGA Tour Caddy Association had their uh, caddies tournament here last year. So, clearly all of the players have heard about the golf course from the caddies from last year and the event, let's be honest, for a PGA Tour event it is pretty weak. Uh, in terms of the alternates that are coming in, Robert Allenby, Charlie Belgian, David javal uh, Parker McLachlan, Omar Uresti—your old favourite, Paul. <laughs> yeah. You know, th- these are players that you wouldn't expect to see at a, a PGA Tour. No, or not, not not the Byron Nelson even. though no, it's, it's no, not be, a Byron Nelson, of course, which is you know got stacks and stacks of history. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of the rank-and-file PGA Tour pros have been intimidated by what they've seen on the golf course. Yeah. Because it's something completely different. Now, it can play as a 7,450-yard par 72, but for this tournament, they've made it a 7,380-yard par 71. And what they've done is one of the uh, normal par 5s, or the short par 5s, the 11th, will play as a long par 4. Now, that's one of the uh, holes that goes into one of the, this big double green. Yeah. But what I've seen of it, it's, it's, your, it's a very cleverly designed golf course. And when you read quotes from Bill Kaur or from Ben Crenshaw, they've used real imagination. They've taken a lot of techniques from Donald Ross, from McKenzie Designs, and a lot of the, um, uh, the true British Lynx golf courses, and they've placed it into this golf course. But whether it plays as a genuine Lynx golf course is clearly up for debate right now because we've never seen any action on it. Um, One thing that is very um, non-British Lynx is the grasses that they're using. So, the grasses on the greens are champion Bermuda grass. They're ultra-dwarf champion Bermuda grass. And we've mentioned champion recently, didn't we, at the Wells Fargo? Yeah. So if you're looking at courses that do actually link into this, uh, Champion is used at the likes of Quail Hollow, um, and it's also used at TPC uh, Southwind. And the actual fairways themselves are using Zoysia grass. Now that Zoysia grass, don't know if the pronunciation's right, but Again, you find that at TPC Southwind and you also find that at Eastlake, the Tour Championship stop. Mm. They also played champion Bermuda grass and Zoysia grass at the 2011 PGA Championship, which hosted was hosted at Atlanta Athletic Club. Uh, and that was the one that Keegan Bradley won from a faltering Jason Duffner, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you remember mm. correctly. Um Sedgefield Country Club is also features champion Bermuda grass. Uh, as I said, TPC Wind, and then you've got smaller tracks like uh, Country Club of Jackson and also uh, the Robert Trent Jones Golf Trail, the Barbasol Championship. Um, now, it's difficult to get any player comments. But, you know, you've got the likes of Ogilvy saying, I love it strategically, it's so interesting. It's got everything that's missing from modern architecture. There are ways to challenge golfers beside longs rough and narrow fairways. Uh, Trinity Forest is going to make use of our brains a little bit. And sometimes here at Trinity, the pin is not necessarily the target. And that's true from what I've seen in some of the videos he put up, where basically um, some of these greens have got great big contours on them or even uh, sort of um, hogsbacks on them so if your approach hits the wrong side it can go 60 70 feet or yards the wrong side of the hole or if you if you can feed it into the right side of the green basically the green then feeds it down to the pin placement so there's a lot of that going on on this golf course mm. and I'll read this statement to you as well this is from Jordan Spieth who of course reigning open champion and uh, as I said, he's a course member. He lives in Dallas, as we know. Uh, I'm sure he'd love to win this golf tournament. It's uh, one that's definitely on his hit list. Um, it's like an American Lynx, he said. You've got to play it from the air. Not really a bounce-the-ball-up kind of Lynx, but it is still a Lynx-looking golf course. So it's weird. It's unique. It's actually... Burkdale was kind of the closest comparison I found to a Lynx course that you kind of have to attack from the air you get maybe four or five uh, holes where you can bounce the ball up but the way to get balls close is to come in with a higher shot that's not necessarily true links golf so I thought those I thought those comments from um from Jordan Spieth were were quite um, revealing, potentially, to the kind of player that we're looking for this week. Mm. I mean, if we're looking for players that are fairly accurate with their irons and who can attack from the air, um, that might open the door to um, some ball strikers, potentially, this week. Although I have seen some people over in the States mentioning the fact that they think this is going to be a lot more about short game in terms of putting and scrambling than actual... um, Than ball striking itself. So, you know, it's up in the area. Yeah, if it's
1: relatively straightforward to hit the fairways, then, and the big old greens as well, by the sounds of it, then it could come down to uh, performance on and around the greens, I suppose. Kors said in something I've watched, or Crenshaw, um, he
0: said that you've got to challenge the hazards. If you take easy routes off the tee, um, you will have second approach shots that are very unforgiving and virtually impossible to get it close to the pin where if you can tackle hazards they basically place hazards in spots where you're getting the ideal shot into the green the angles correct so you know they're saying that really it's going to be a golf course that rewards a level of strategy and guys that are willing to take risk off the tee take that as you Mm. will Interesting. So it's just it's a. I'm finding it a very difficult week to uh, get my head around. I'll be honest with you. There's two that shout from the rooftops for me, um, and I've already um, included them in my draft copy. Um, If we want a link to champion Bermuda grass and to Zoysia grass. Someone that did well at the PGA Championship back in twenty twelve or twenty eleven, wasn't it? Uh, someone that's played well at TPC South Wind, someone that's done well at Eastlake. And I've also made a lit you know, if we're looking at something like we saw last week at Bur last year at Burkdale, clearly Jordan Spieth and Matt Kuchard were first and second in that, weren't they? Yep. And if you just look down the courses that they've played well at together, both done well at Kapalua. They've played well at the Sony Open. Pebble Beach, of course. Um, They've played well at Houston. And, of course, they all play well at Augusta, don't they? Kuchar's finished third and fourth and fifth at Augusta. And you look at Jordan Spieth, we know he's won there, finished second there twice and finished third there. So, you know, there's there's some obvious correlations there. And there's other courses in, that you can look at. TPC Boston as well. Um, if I'm looking at courses that look kind of similar to this, take away the trees at Boston. That TPC Boston looks very inland links like. And yeah. if you look at the winners like McElroy uh, and Ricky Fowler, they've got guys that have got open championship heritage, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah? I think Paul Casey was leading for a big period of it last year, and Mark Leishman, mm. who've both done well in open championships. So I think there's some Boston correlation in it as well. Mm. But for me, of the top guys. Um, the guy that jumped straight off the, the list for me was Adam Scott, who I'm going to get involved with this week, I think. Yeah, Because it's, it's noticeable with Scott. We know that his T game, uh, his driving's a lot tidier of late. You know, he can be really wild, can't he? He isn't at the moment. Um, his approach play is top-notch. Um, I'm kind of dr- beating the same drum as Pat Mayo does every week in terms of, he says exactly the same thing. His stats um, strategically, uh, his stats on approach, his stats on scrambling are top notch and he was top. He was he topped scrambling last week at um, the Tour Championship. But as we know, he hasn't been able to putt for toffee with this with a with a shorter putter. No. quo Hollow went back to his old putter uh, that believe it or not that he played at the Masters apparently. And I think he he said something along the lines of he shaved an inch off the top of it or something. And then lo and behold, he said he putted three decent rounds at Quail Hollow. And he said, yes, this is me putting decently. You know, I wasn't putting as well as... I was going to say Jordan Speed, but that would be wrong, wouldn't it? He's not putting as well as Justin Thomas, but he saw a big jump in the confidence with the putter. And then, of course, last week he was 11th uh, 11th at the Players' Championship he was in the top thirty for strokes going strokes going putting, which he hasn't been for over twelve months. And he said in both of the interviews that I've read, I just feel so much more confident again with the putter. I'm making some twelve footers, some longer putts, and I don't feel that if I'm missing a green, that I'm going to be faced with a, you know, if I'm faced with a twelve footer for par, I might actually make a few of them and that keeps the momentum going yeah. for the round. So I think Adam Scott is a half decent shout this uh, this week. I would have wanted of course a lot more than 25 to 1 on him. But I can kind of see where the bookmakers have gone with this because there is such a disparity between the top of the field and the rest of the field in terms of quality. Yeah, though I think Scott's a decent shout. He was top 10 at that Atlanta Athletic. He's won at Eastlake He's got a decent record at TPC Southwind, so he clearly gets on with his Zoysia grass. Um, Both of his last PGA Tour victories in the States were on Bermuda grass. And I just think he's the kind of guy that's got an open history, he's a major championship performer, that when he arrives at this track, will be able to strategically get himself around it well enough to actually be a contender and... I don't actually think that there's too much that he needs to be scared of this week. If you actually look at the field, no,
1: no, he's playing some better golf, and if he's um, if he's got some confidence with the putter, um, that's half the battle, wasn't it? You know, the, the guys who lose all their confidence with the putters, and, uh, you know, they can struggle for a prolonged period of time, but. Um, mm-hmm. If he's, he's he so he's
0: outside the US Open qualification, yeah, so he, he needs, needs to win, another win. top five or something of that ilk to definitely get him into the US Open in yeah. a couple of weeks' time.
1: Yeah, needs must. for
0: motivation, isn't it? You know, why do you think he's changed his putter? It's because, you know, he basically knows it's getting to the point of now or never yeah. for the US Open.
1: Yeah. Well, career wise as well. He's, he's got...
0: when, when you chaps look down the, uh, the field, or if you look down the, um, the betting market at the moment, who, are there any names that are jumping out of, uh, out at you that link or relate to what I was talking with in terms of the course description?
2: I'm going to take a really different angle to that, to that. just to, just um, more so from the kind of the course um, architecture point of view. So Ogilvy is a big fan of course architecture. Um, so I'm definitely just going to throw a little cheeky first round leader bet on him and maybe in, in each way because he'll be available mm. at long odds yeah. um, another one who's in the field this week who's massive on his course architecture is Zach Blair and this will just tickle him pink going around with all the little touches from uh, of inspiration from different architects around so again um, he's available very long odds and outright on first round leader so I've had a look at him and because the course is new to the tour, um, I, I don't have any real backup other than the link that it's it's new and these guys are new on tour. It's uh, Joaquin Neiman and Maverick McNeely who are two unbelievably high flying amateurs. And uh, we saw Neiman there a couple of weeks ago um, Go very well, and was he was his first tour event as a yeah, pro? Wasn't it? Six, yeah, t- it? T- at TPC San Antonio.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that, that so, so that's the, not an easy golf course, is it?
2: Yeah, and and so it's it's almost kind of a mentality thing that they're going to go in this week, and they might go in on another on another week to a course where the other guys have played for a few years and feel that they might be at a disadvantage because they have to learn the golf course that the other guys know. This week they'll go in thinking, well, we're all in a very level playing field this week. We all have to learn the golf course. This is a really good chance for me. And uh, that could be the thing that just kind of just helps them along. It's always so, a bit of a leveler, isn't it, yeah. for the, uh,
1: the less experienced guys when you go yeah. to these, uh, these new tracks. And yeah, I think you're right. You're I'll you
0: I, I, I'll tell you what was that grabbed me with Neiman yeah. He was 7th for Greens in regulation at, uh, in that San Antonio tournament. And even though he missed the cut at Quail Hollow, he was 4th for Greens in regulation. So if actually hitting Greens is half the battle here. And from what Jordan Spieth's saying, that isn't a bad starting point. You know, he he's clearly a talented young lad, isn't he? Mm. And uh, he, like you said, he's coming into this tournament on a completely level playing field.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you never know. And one final thought was, um, Peter Uline has shown signs of life recently, mm-hmm. um, and his coach is the same as Charles Schwartzel's, and Charles playing pretty well yeah, over the weekend. Well. So it seems like that kind of camp might have something kind of clicking mm-hmm. at the moment, um, and he, you know, he might have taken a little bit of inspiration again from seeing Schwartzel go well last week. Uh, so yeah no, no other reason than that but Ta- take uh, us through Peter th- Uline
0: Paul from a European tour perspective because clearly you know, you've, you've watched Peter for a period of time and I know I mentioned Peter Uline to you last week in terms of a player that I thought actually has a half decent links golf course record if you look at his european tour site yeah he has,
1: he has got, got a decent form at the dunhill links hasn't he um he also won the madeira islands open i recall um which is that yeah. um that coastal affair on the top of the uh, top of the mountain there at uh, uh, in madeira but is he, It's a funny one isn't he because we know you know he's one of these longer players off the tee um and He can be a little wayward. He can be very wayward, in fact. But then he's done well around some of the more stringent uh, tests on the tour as well. Some of the kind of classical designs as well. So um, I'm not sure you can pigeonhole him completely. Yes, he's he's a long bomber. I mean, you you can pigeonhole him in in that respect. But uh, when he's playing well, I think he can contend in an awful lot of uh, different types of tracks. And, you know, he was always kind of likened to Brooks Koepka and and you know exactly where Brooks has got to um, in terms of his career and you know I I don't think they're of the same quality right now as we as we look at them but um, you know he's capable of doing something on the um, on the PGA Tour I'm sure. And I know you you, know, you and I chatted about him for this uh, a week or so ago. And well, quite it, the thing that grabbed me about him was he he
0: came, th- uh, and this ties him with Barry, he came, 2013, he came second at the Alfred Dunhill Links at St Andrews. Mm-hmm. So you can clearly get on with links golf courses. There's, I can see a ninth at the Peter lorry match play. Um, there was a tenth in a Scottish Open in 2013. And another result that jumped off the page for me when I looked at him, was he was second to Tommy Fleetwood at the Open de France last year at Le Golf National. And you've always said that the Le Golf National really has kind of inland links feel to it. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Steve, I know Barry needs to shoot off, so um, can we just thank him quickly for his input uh, today, and then we'll just wrap up after that.
2: Cheers, Barry. Thanks for your time. Sorry, guys. Life is <laughs> happening. Cheers, Barry. Take care. Cheers, mate. All right, thanks.
0: So, yeah, there's that open to France element to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which oh, I don't think such a bad thing on this golf course. I mean, has that got plenty of undulation in it, Le Golf National? It,
1: it's, yes, it, it's not, um, you know, in terms of the fairways and uh, in kind of undulating fairways, absolutely. Um, it is. I, I would describe it as an inland links. Yeah, I, I think there's there's certain uh, correlations you'll see to this when they set it up tough, and they've they, you know it hasn't been quite as tough in the the last uh, season or two. Um, but when they set it up tough, there it's an incredibly difficult driving uh, track. And the thing with this is, um, it doesn't sound like it's going to be anywhere near as tight as that. Um, no which I think suits you line does not it because as you said he
0: can be you know you can find him at the lurking at the bottom of driving accuracy charts pretty much on a lot of his tours Yeah but
1: then say so, you know he's, he's done well um, at some of these classical tracks he did well at Perth um, I'm sure he's done well at Wentworth over the years at various spots yeah. so you know when he's playing well he's got control of his uh, his long game he's uh, so I think he can contend in an awful awful lot of places and a very streaky putter, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. He's a very good putter when he's on his game, absolutely. He's very, very strong. So, yeah, I, I don't see any reason t- why not. It's interesting. He was 27th for greens in
0: regulation last time at Well at Quail Hollow. Classical golf course, finished fifth. Champion Bermuda grass greens. Uh, and he was first for scrambling. Yeah. So, you know, he's clearly got a grip of his, of his short game around the greens. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I did notice about Eulon was he's very, very sparky. So he can... He can string, you know, decent results together one after the other. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So when when his game's on, then um, that's the time to uh, time to dive in. I think. Well, any players, any players that you've seen of interest? Yeah, there's there's a couple that I've backed today. Um, Brant Snedeker, Snedeker, who uh, he had an absolute nightmare, didn't he, first round at the Players? But it uh, started to show a little bit of form in the few weeks running up to that. Um, yeah. You know, was he 23rd at the Heritage and 15th at uh, Texas the week after? Um, going back to your Pinehurst link, he was 9th there back um, in the, uh, the US Open. Um, yeah, and listen
0: to this, you know, Kapalua, well, we know he's gone flat around there. Wyalai, he lost in the playoff, didn't he? Yep. Pebble Beach, where well, he's won there twice. Mm-hmm. Now, these are, these are courses that Spieth and Kuchar have both played well. And you know, Speed's relating last year's Open Championship to what he's seen practicing around here. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Augusta, yeah. He, he, he virtually won at Augusta, isn't he?
1: Yeah, well, and, and you know, it's far too long for him, you'd, you'd say on paper. Yeah. Um, Going back to Lytham, was it in 2012, I think? Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. He, he was. Yeah, he was leading for a long time, wasn't he? he, he, he through the 30, first thirty-six holes or so, bogey-free and uh, playing some exceptional yeah. golf. So you know, for that kind of linksy uh, link as well, there's um, yeah, I, 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 yes, you got. You'd have to look past uh, two miscuts on the trip. One of them, which was the Zurich Classic, so you could kind of discount that anyway. And um, last week, yeah, he opened with eighty-two, which was a horrible, horrible round, but. Um, you know, you start, you're getting a decent price, I think, in this field, fifty to one. Um, I, I think there's, uh, there's worse bets out there. And the one that really caught my eye at the bottom end of the market was Peter Malnati. Now, going to Malnati, he was leading at Quail Hollow um, after two rounds. Um, yep. And he, he can be a bit wonky off the tee, Melnati, but um. Pitball. <laughs> That's saying the least. Yeah. Loose. I, th- when when I saw how you described the course with these 100-yard fairways, um, that kind of thought, for me, he'd have a chance. And to be fair, for him to be leading at Quail Hollow, he's clearly playing some decent golf. And if you look through his, his form this year, it doesn't look anything particularly strong. Yet yeah, he was top 10 after the first round of Heritage, top 10 after the first round of Pebble Beach. So again, can you draw some correlations there? Potentially... And you know this, this Quail Hollow form um, was really the first time he'd been in contention for quite a while. But um, if you go back to when he won, he won um, at the Silence and Farms, which you were talking about earlier, Jackson, um, which um, which is on the uh, on Champion Bermuda uh, yeah. greens. So,
0: uh, and when he finds which, yeah, that's funny. You know, and that, that corresponds to Quail Hollow a couple of weeks ago, where which has the same kind of greens. And all of a sudden, you've got this guy. That can clearly feel comfortable on those greens at the top of the leaderboard.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you go back to when he won there; um, he was uh, top ten, at Maya Coburn a week after, and then he, um, clearly he qualified for Kapalua. He finished sixth for Kapalua the uh, the following January. So, you know, there's, there's, for me, there's just snippets of correlating form there that kind of fit in with the uh, the direction you'd been heading with this and. Um, I got three hundred to one with eight places earlier on with Paddy, which I felt was quite a strong price for him. Yeah, Paddy
0: eight places again this week. Yeah, yeah absolutely.
1: And he's been putting well as well. You know, last couple of last couple of events, he was fifteenth and twelve or thereabouts for for putting average. So, yeah, there's uh, there's bits to like there for a bloke who's uh, who's coming at 300 to one. I think.
0: I think this tournament's going to be a big opportunity for a, a lot of the um, smaller names. Mm-hmm. You know, you get the feeling that a number of the big names probably aren't really going to be, you know, up for it potentially. And there's not a huge midfield here,
1: so someone, you know, could, you know, basically secure a card this week. Yeah, oh, without a doubt. And you know, we see it time and again: these players uh, coming through at big three-figure numbers. There's, there's no reason why they can't get into a, an each-way place or, or potentially better.
0: Going back to Snedeker, is it out of? Is it my imagination that he's also outside the US Open places? Yeah, quite possibly. I think he's struggling, isn't he? Quite possibly. And he is certainly a Lynx golf course expert. I'll, you know, there's no, there's no uh, doubt about that, is there?
1: The way that he plays. Yeah, he's currently 86th. 86th, yeah. Way down. Mm. So yeah, he's another one who needs a big week.
0: And this tournament, I mean, it's a different venue, but it's the week after the players. And if you look at previous winners of this tournament, yeah, um, Billy Horshaw won this off of straight four miscuts cuts last yeah, year. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, four missed cuts, mm-hmm. and he played uh, that TPC Four Seasons course twice and missed the cut both yeah. times of that as well.
1: Yeah, there weren't many pointers there if you're looking at form and uh, history stats, were there? So
0: you know, a couple of missed cuts isn't a uh, isn't a complete and utter failure. You know what I mm. mean? Yeah, absolutely. Mm, interesting. So I haven't confirmed anything at all. Um, I think at the top of the market, also fancy Brandon Gray. So I think he's going to have a good week. Yep. Uh, we we know that he's got the baby boom side to him. Yep. Uh, we know that he played very well at Chambers Bay. We mentioned that earlier. Yeah, thank um, well. He's all, He also got. A, you know, he's got a great Lynx golf course record, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's his game,
1: isn't it? Yeah, he, he, sh- he should it's, like the track. D- d- yeah. D- yeah, this course should suit him down to the ground, don't you yeah, think? He should really like the track. There's, there's no real reason to suggest he doesn't. And when, when he's come to these, um, even the U.S. Opens where it's been played on a, uh, you know, a similar kind of setup, um, even though you kind of look at him and think, well, has he got that kind of major in him? He's he's, he's been in contention on a few of these uh, Linksy type uh, U.S. Opens, has not he? So yeah, see no reason why in a smaller event like this he can't get into the mix.
0: If Jimmy Walker was higher than twenty-two to one, would
1: you have been interested in Walker? Yeah, it's a funny one, Jimmy, isn't he? He's he's clearly starting to find his um, his fitness, which was the main issue, I think, following the the Lyme disease um issue. But um, it's it's uh, I I don't know. I I I prefer I prefer Grace. I think at that kind of price level, from from what you and I have discussed. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, was, there's there's lots to like about Jimmy going forward. I think. Yeah, I can say that. Hmm.
0: Well, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for Barry's time as well. Of course, Barry's disappeared. Um, We will see you again next week for what's going to be a decent show next week. We've actually got two courses that we know about and two events that have got lots of history, being uh, Colonial on the PGA Tour and, of course, the BMW PGA Championship at Wentworth. So uh, we look forward to having you listening again next week. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.